Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 166. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And you are listening to, uh, well, it's an episode for the week of Monday the something. The second? The third? I'm not second. paying attention. June 2nd. June 2nd. We're into June. Welcome to June. Welcome to summer. Wow. My kids are out of school. Yay. It's My bikini kids are out of season. School. No. They get hey, to sleep uh, in more often. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Hey, uh, to, before we get too uh, sidetracked, we want to give a huge shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, and openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. We have a lot of dot coms. It's and like the nineties. I know. <laughs> um, we also want to give a huge shout out over to our friends at forty-eight fourteen, forty-eight fourteen dot com, the best host in the world. And we can say that I had a problem with the site this week. Um, you guys probably haven't seen it on your end, being you know the listeners, the viewers. But we've been having a problem on the back end, and it turns out that too many viewers have come to the site. They were able to identify the problem. They were able to bump us up in speed and take care of it. And now we're running on a, a beautiful new cluster of servers. They took care of it all. It's amazing what these guys can do. And they'll do it for you, too. Hook, look them up. Go to the banner at the top of our uh, of our page at podcast.stolendroids.com. Click on the link, and they will hook you up with the best hosting of your life. That's 48-14.com. Uh, we're also brought to you by Eagle Moss Limited. Uh, Eagle Moss Limited, the maker of the, those official Star Trek ships. Very, very, very cool. Um, I don't know what I can say about these things. That's enough. It is just super awesome. I've got but, one word for them. I'm, I'm jealous. That's all I, I could say. Yeah. They're so <laughs> awesome, they make us jealous. Yep. Um, we are also brought to you this week by uh, Symptom, the webcomic. Sorry, not webcomic, the comic. Actual comic. I know, people have forgotten that those exist, but actual comic books exist. It is an e-comic. You can get it on uh, on Comixology or SymptomComic.com. It is brought to us by Tanner Lee Carter, though he misspells his name as Lay, with art by Roland Kalninis. And I have no idea how he spells his name, and I... Sh- I really hope I'm pronouncing it right, Roland. Simpson tells the story of Orval, a mild-mannered guy who finds out he's developed Christopher Dennis disease. Possible side effects include nausea, vomiting, headache, bursting into flames, flying, mood swings, and shooting lasers, beams from the eye. Check out this unique take on what happens to a typical guy who discovers that his world just got a lot more interesting. Um, again, for more information, you can and to pick up the first issue, go to Comixology in the show notes or uh, visit SymptomComic.com. And I just want to throw in a quick little tidbit about this. I was talking with Tanner uh, the other day, and he mentioned that the president of Dark Horse directly asked him to provide him with a copy of that, uh, of of symptom number one. Dark Horse's president is interested. So it is, it's got, so, it's a good stuff. So check it out. That is, that is super cool. That is, it is. really, really cool. Is it possible just because the, is it possible that just the uh, the head of Dark Horse is a is a cheapskate though and just doesn't want to pay for his comics? I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a really good way though. Could you imagine how many free comics you could get if you were president of a comic book company? Just send me a <laughs> copy of that. Yeah, but yeah, he he actually asked Tanner to to e- email him a copy, so he emailed a copy, and I haven't heard what's happening with it, but um, 
the fact that he personally said, I want to see this, that, that's a good sign. So That's you can a very get good in, sign. You can get in before it's cool. You could be the hipster of symptom. Ooh. Hey, uh, before we get into our he- headlines, I wanted to give a shout-out to some other podcasts here before we go. First up, some sad news. And uh, if you're not in the Utah area, you probably wouldn't be familiar with this. There's another um, podcast in this area called the Geek Show Podcast. Um, our friend Amber, Dollface, uh, she's been on there. Um, we've chatted back and forth with those guys a few times. They're a bit bigger than we are. A bit. You know, a scotch. Slightly. Uh, unfortunately, some sad news happened this week. Uh, one of their hosts, Jeff Weiss, um, who's also a movie critic here in Utah, uh, died quite suddenly. He passed away. Uh, so our hearts go out to uh, his family and his friends and uh, his co-hosts over at Geek Show Podcast. Uh, guy was not that old. Just very suddenly got a, a very severe asthma attack. And evidently those things can turn lethal. Who knew? Obviously, it's always sad did. when that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah very sad. And uh, again, normally we, we podcasts don't share <laughs> names a whole lot, but uh, we wanted to give them a shout out that they're in our in our hearts. In uh, less uh, sad news, in fact, much happier news, we've launched uh, another podcast ourselves called SD Files. In fact, episode two just went up, uh, which feature Schmidt and Zoner. It, it's been really fun to do so. Yeah, check it out if you're interested in anything, anything paranormal or mysterious. Uh, we cover we cover Bigfoot, um, Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you did cover him, didn't you? We, we did. did, not in the way that you might expect. Not not in the way of every intern in the '90s, right? Um, right? Now, normally, I mean, I personally believe in the paranormal, but I usually steer away from paranormal shows because so often. They just go hardcore. Everything is a conspiracy. Everything is an alien. You know, it's like the uh, the ancient alien guy with the hair. Everything is an alien. Of course it is. And I love listening to your guys' show, not because you're my friends, not just because, uh, you know, you're on our side as well, but you guys actually approach each thing with, okay, is this possible? Is this, you know, if there's a reason behind it, you give it. Yeah. Which, you know, thanks to you, we talked about uh, a UFO caught on a trail cam in our first episode, and you did a little bit of digging, some information came out after the fact that you passed on to us, and we discussed the follow-up as to what it actually most likely was. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I love that. If we can find an explanation for something, I got no problem saying it. Yeah. If, yeah. if it's a Bigfoot, though, it's a Bigfoot. It's not dude in a bear costume. It's a Bigfoot <laughs> if it's a Bigfoot. You know, it, it's it's one of the biggest problems with uh, studying this, this area, this topic. Um, so much of the, the uh, stuff out there on the Internet regarding this subject is hoaxed. And so trying to filter through all that is really hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just know that we're trying to bring you the best content. In fact, I think on our next episode, we're going to be talking about some of those hoaxes and possibly get into some conspiracy theories if time allows. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's some Bigfoot hoaxers we want to call out. Who's the bigger idiot? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it's definitely cool checking out. What's your guys' release schedule? When can people find you? I don't know. Whenever we can get it. We're weekly. <laughs> <laughs> weekly. We're, tr- we're trying to get on a regular schedule, but we've had technical difficulties the last few weeks, so... Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully my plan is Tuesdays, but we'll see. 
Okay. And uh, for some reason, they're not on iTunes yet. That's my fault. Well, no, I take that back. That's uh, Apple's fault. We're working on it, though. So It's a conspiracy. Oh, that'll <laughs> be episode we're, three. We're being oppressed. <laughs> um, another um, podcast we want to give a shout out to, even though we can't find it anywhere yet, um, longtime listener and friend of the show, Kyle, uh, sent me he and his team's first episode, Agents of Sci-Fi. Uh, Kyle, uh, I sent you some feedback, but in case you didn't uh, get it yet, I also sent that episode around to everyone here at Stolen Droids, and it's fracking awesome. Loved it. <laughs> uh, it reminded me of us. Yeah. If we knew what we were doing when we started, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to check them out, they're on um, agentsofsci-fi.com. Um, so check it out. They have their zeroth episode. So zeroth, zeroth. He's a, he's a programmer. He he counts from zero up. Well, the, the, you, you go to their episode section. It says episode zero. Don't fault me. <laughs> uh we need to fault someone. <laughs> okay. Okay, and to our actual uh, headlines here. And we start off with something that seems kind of innocuous. It's like, oh, isn't that nice? But And then you watch the video, okay? Uh, this week was the Code Conference where they where all the different big tech companies like to bring forth all the different information and all the different projects they've been working, working on. And some of them you'll never see, and some of them are just kind of pipe dreams. But this one, this one was awesome. And it came to us from an odd source, from Microsoft, Microsoft and Skype have been working together on a translate program. And it's about as close to the Star Trek Universal Translator as we can get right now. The idea behind it is is that they taught it a language, or actually they taught it quite a few languages, and while having a Skype call with someone, you can speak your language, wait a, wait a beat, and then it speaks in the recipient's language to them. It speaks it. And so to test this, they had a gentleman speaking English to a woman who's speaking German. And he's speaking English to her, and then Skype is giving her, in a male voice, the German translation in real time. And then she speaks back to him, and he gets a female voice speaking English back to him. If you watch the full video, um, the lead developer on it is kind of funny. He said the weirdest thing happened. Uh, we would teach it English. And it could do pretty well. It learned English pretty well. And then we taught it Spanish. And it learned Spanish pretty well. But somehow the English got better. Then we taught it Mandarin. And Mandarin's pretty hard. And it did Mandarin okay. But the Spanish got better. And the English really got better. And to be perfectly honest, we don't know why. (laughs) Well, and and coming from a... a Well, I... I'm not from a multilingual background, but I've learned multiple languages. Um, I can attest Klingon that does learning not count. I'm sorry, <laughs> but Pig Latin does. Learning another language does improve um, your your birth language or your initial language, um, and and vice versa. Learning more about languages can help you learn about other languages. There's no other. There's no better way to say that. Uh, I guess the reason why I'm such a um, a grammar police is is because of my knowledge of spanish um and i wasn't like that before i learned spanish i didn't care what, how people talked <laughs> hola so. josie me nom este ozuk <laughs> a2 yeah that's interesting that the the computer is picking that up too so it's 
Well, the, I cool. think they've finally caught on on how to program a uh, a computer to think like a human. That the mind kind of works in the same way. Is this yep. bringing us one step closer to Skynet? Well, it would be nice if while the machines are destroying them, we could at least understand them universally. It, yeah. I guess it makes it easier as they go on a world conquest. You know, they can tell all humans to get down on the ground for their execution in their native tongue. Yeah, totally helpful. A feeling of well-being, you know, familiarity, as it were. Um, <laughs> a I, user-friendly assassination bot. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that Google would have made that. Pegman, wait for it. <laughs> uh, uh, now, um, oh, geez, you made me lose my lose my train of thought there. <laughs> Assassinating Pegman. Okay. This is kind of surprising, though, because typically Microsoft has not been leading the charge on this. It's usually been Google. Google's been really big onto the Google Translate and translating different websites. It's kind of funny that Microsoft should come out of the shadows like this. How pissed off do you think Google is right now? <laughs> you know, I they, don't they've, know. Been, they've been working on something for a long time, and I, I kind of wonder if. I mean, Microsoft kept this under wraps really really well. We didn't even hear about it until until this conference. I wonder if we're going to see something from Google really soon now, because I know they've been working on it for at least three years, ever since um, Google Voice. Uh, so I, I've got to think that Google is really close behind, if not at par with them. Well, now, Google I.O. is coming up soon, so I guess we'll probably we see something. Then. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now, part of me, um, as a Windows Phone user, is really, really excited by this news, and here's why. Um, the program that the system that tra- does the translating is all based in Windows Azure Cloud. Okay, it's kind of like Amazon's S3 supercomputing cloud system. Uh, Microsoft isn't the only one who has this. Google has their own as well. But f- somehow, and I'm not a programmer and I'm not a developer, so I don't know exactly why, but somehow Microsoft's is set up for better learning. You know, it's not quite IBM Watson level, but it's it's close. And they're using that same platform for like Titanfall. They're using it for a lot of the AI with uh, with Xbox Live games on Xbox One. They're also using it for Cortana on my phone. So I'm really hoping that by them constantly loading all these new languages in there and giving all these new skills, um, it's also going to improve the Cortana experience on my phone. Well, if it as they add new languages, it's learning and improving existing content, existing languages, whatever you want to call it. Uh, is it eventually going to start? It, it sounds to some extent like it's learning on its own. At what point is it going to just continue to learn on its own without them needing to feed it any more information? That's a good question. And or at what point will it start making its own superior language and start trying to teach us a superior language? It is and then kind of, executing us. It is kind of scary to know that the program that we're teaching to think like us and speak all of our languages is also the program we use to handle the AIs for the killer robot video game. <laughs> I know it's it's learning our our tactics and well if you look back over human history thousands of years of human history Microsoft has been there you don't really yep. want to think like a human because humans eventually destroy one another and so we're basically teaching our computers to think like us so that they can then kill us that's yeah. not the obvious end result that I'm sure Bill Gates is hoping for, 
However, well, he, he just wants a tablet that sells. You, you're right, though. It's it's only in sci-fi movies where we see uh, robots coming up to harm, intentionally harm humans. It, now, uh, in today's technology world, robots don't hurt humans unless they're programmed by humans to do so, or if it's an accident. Right, so, right. Meanwhile, we have, like, uh, uh, robot companies building two-legged raptors that can run us down at 45 miles an hour. Right. That's and what I mean. Unless they're programmed... Unless they're what programmed is Japan think thinking? So. <laughs> Anywho, I'm excited by this. It's I wanted cool. to add one more thought here on this. Apple will come out with this in three years, and it will be revolutionary, and they will get all the credit. But it'll give everyone the wrong direction. It will. Oh, I remember what I was going to say as well. Um, I, I, I know when it's made it finally, when I can speak normal English to it and tell it what to program, and it programs my code for me. Oh, yeah. Hey, wait, that, that means my job's gone. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Pretty much. What is your source language? English. What is your destination language? PHP. <laughs> Put that thingy over here and make this thingy work with uh, that, and it can do it. <laughs> Okay, um, also um, announced, uh, well, not really announced, but uh, elaborated on, I'm kind of jumping in our show notes, at the code conference was Apple. Apple and Beats sat down right after it was announced that Apple had bought Beats uh, for $2.6 billion in cash and $400 million in stock options. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. Now, the question still remains in a lot of people's minds, Why? Um, especially because the lead designer for Beats, the the one who actually developed the Beats hardware, is not going to Apple. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, not sure why. Part of it is the music subscription service. Beats Music, if you've used it, is one of the better ones out there. And it has really, really grown. But even then, it doesn't hold a candle to the iTunes subscription base. And there's a lot of crossover, uh, double coverage there. Yeah. So, I I still contend that Apple just wants to finally get some better audio hardware in their devices, and they're hoping that Beats will do that. I'm hoping that Beats Music will make iTunes better. I will if, if that happens. I will no longer consider iTunes a uh, scourge on on the software community. <laughs> scourge or plague? Scourge. Scourge. I know, you said innocuous, so I, I thought I could throw in some false words there, too. Innocuous is a word. <laughs> it's innocuous, but oh. I'm not counting <laughs> points here. <laughs> Episode I number 166, <laughs> Grammar Fail. <laughs> okay, wow. Now, Tim Cook actually addressed why they bought Beats Music. Um, he sent a he sent a note out to Apple's employees, um, basically announcing the acquisition of Beats, and he he elaborated that music is an important part of our lives and our culture. And then he goes on to talk about how Apple's history in music began with selling Macs to musicians, and how that rep- remains important to them today. Um, but they said he said that music holds a special place in our hearts at Apple, and we know that we can make it even make 
an even bigger contribution to something that is so important to our society. That's why we have kept investing in music and why we're bringing together these extraordinary teams so we can continue to create the most innovative music products and services in the world. And he also says the addition of beats will make our music lineup even better. So is this to, to acquire more, more music licenses that, that they didn't have on iTunes? I don't know. I think, I think the real, I think this is all about the service, the streaming service. Yeah. I, I would agree, which is still confusing to me because, uh, you know, it's kind of like that whole AT&T and Dish Network thing. This is something that Apple could have done on its own. It could have. Yeah. But why do it yourself when you can just steal it? Well, they didn't steal it in this case. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. But yeah, they, I mean, it's, I guess a smart purchase. Beats puts out good stuff. They've got a good name, very recognizable brand, successful brand. Uh, they have a good streaming service. So why not? If music is that important to you as a company, why not get a good music company? True, true. Um, last one here, and this isn't in our show notes at all, so I feel really bad here uh, that I'm looking for as we're talking about it. Thanks but, for blindsiding us, Zook. Well, and this is more kind of interesting, but um, let's see here. Google actually uh, released their workforce numbers. They, kind of, they did kind of a census on their numbers, and they found that... Uh, of the uh, of the amount of employees they have, which is almost like fifty thousand people worldwide, it's like sixty one percent white and thirty six percent Asian. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> now. If you're doing the math, that doesn't leave a whole lot of percent for anyone else. It also yeah. said of the entire company, seventeen percent are women. Why is uh, that? Is that just because there's not a lot of women in the IT world? or yeah, There's probably a lot of reasons about it, and I'm sure we could get into trouble trying to speculate on that. But you remember... Well, let's uh, get into trouble. Let's just make up stuff. <laughs> you remember uh, when Goldie Blocks was coming out, right? That uh, that mm-hmm. that Tinker Toy kind of uh, toy project uh, geared towards girls. Yes. And it kind of pointed out that women are not encouraged to become engineers, which oh, is yeah, quite true. Gold, Goldie blocks. That's yeah, Goldie blocks. And it's very, very true. They're, they're not encouraged by it. And one would argue that it seems like many of them don't want to. Again, that's probably going to get me into a lot of trouble saying that because I can't speak for everyone, obviously, and I certainly can't speak for women. But it is kind of interesting. Also interesting is that, I, and this is more surprising to me, okay, there's the old stereotype, haha, you're Asian, you must get in, be into tech, right? Or a scientist, or play violin, or no karate, or drift race cars, or, you know, interesting <laughs> side note, my family has a member for each one of those stereotypes. I'm the computer <laughs> stereotype, by the way. My dad is the karate, my cousin is the drift racer, and my uncle's the surgeon. And you You're a stereotype <laughs> in a lot more ways than just the computer guy, Duke. I'm six one. How, how stereotypical am you, I for an Asian? You're Asian. You do math. You play the violin. <laughs> I so do math. What was the percentage of white in Apple? Sixty uh, in Google. Sixty-one percent. Oh, Google. I, I thought we were talking about Apple. Sorry. No, no, we're, uh, no. If it, <laughs> if it was Apple, it'd probably be like ninety-eight percent white. Okay. Well, because I, I saw another de- demographic about Google, the female percentage was 30 percent 
Hmm. So I don't know if the 17 was... was anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of alarming, though, that it is so heavily skewed one way and not the other. It's just kind of weird to me. Yeah. Really no reason behind it, just interesting little facts and figures here. But uh, it does explain kind of why Google is so persistent on trying to get uh, different uh, programs out into the world, getting people interested in tech. They they fund a lot of science fairs. They fund a lot of education programs, trying to get uh, a more varied workforce coming in. So yeah. that's good, I guess. We're just kind of rambling now. Yeah, let's just continue to make stuff up. How about if we throw out some just random facts? Okay, uh, here's a random fact. Uh, Amazon has evidently been holding a shadow war against certain publishers. How long until this ends up in court? Uh, I think it's already ending up in court. What's a shadow war? Um, A cool (laughs) video game, I know. Now, is this where is this the one where the publishers are like going after Amazon because of I don't know some price fixing or something? And well, in this case, uh, in this particular article, it's against Hatchet. Hatchet is the fourth largest publisher in the U.S., and Amazon has been asking for higher fees from publishers. Uh, Amazon doesn't actually make a lot of money. In order to keep its bottom line as trim as possible and to you know pass the savings on to us as it were so we buy everything from them they uh they don't make a lot of money the most money they make is from ebooks because ebooks don't cost anything to ship they don't cost any you know it's not an actual physical product but they can still sell money and they can get money for it well so and they're then trying they can take it away from you if they don't like if you don't like or they don't like you mm-hmm. they don't like it yeah well so in this case, they've started to either raise the prices on Hatchet books without telling the publisher, or suddenly these books are taking forever to get to people, or they're always out of stock, even when they're not. And in the sidebar, it says, or they're offering them only an audiobook form, which I thought is particularly douchey. But in the sidebar, it says, hey, this is out of stock, but maybe you would like this. And it shows another book from another publisher who is paying Amazon the fees. Uh-huh. That's that's shifty. Yeah. Uh, now, publishers tried to gang up on Amazon before for price fixing, uh, and they got slapped with a federal antitrust suit as a result of it. So, I don't... I don't know really where I stand on this one. Amazon is clearly acting very shady. But at the same time, a giant consortium of all different book publishers I don't really trust either. I like how you are talking about a shadow war and you referenced their behavior as shady. I I thought that was a nice (laughs) tie-in. Well, I I was going with either shady or worry. I thought shady sounded better. (laughs) Because vocabulary. This is kind of dirty, though, on Amazon's part, I think. I, this is actually something I would expect from Apple, in all honesty. Um, well, we did see something like this from Apple a while yes, ago. Yes, which is why I would expect it from Apple. But, um, yeah, I think that this is this is kind of crazy. But, unfortunately, Amazon is so huge. It's like going up against Walmart. I mean, you can, you can fight them, but you're going to lose in the end. Uh, it, it actually made me think of Netflix having to go to Comcast and say, okay, we'll pay you. 
Yeah. Right. Um, that uh, that's kind of what Amazon's doing here with these book publishers. They have a venue to which the book publishers can get their product out, and Amazon's saying, "Well, if you want to, you got to pay up." Which you know, it's business, but it's it's kind of dirty the way they're doing it. Is is it just me though, or or is the printed book industry on a on a downhill right now? Because I mean, at least at least for me, ebooks and audiobooks have um, I've given more money to ebooks and audiobooks than printed books in the past yeah. decade. Yeah, I so. I wouldn't say that because I still love having printed books. You know, I come from the generation and from the background that how can you tell a family has money or intelligence or education because they have a set of encyclopedias. Our family had three sets. Ooh. Um, which is <laughs> because you're Asian. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous <laughs> now to think about it. If you try and explain that to modern kids, and this isn't like an old man get off my lawn sort of thing, but truly it's a stupid yardstick. You know, it's a stupid standard to try and hold up how on earth is your family so smart it has encyclopedias that were out of date the instant they were printed yeah you know you spent that much money you're wasting that much space for something that isn't even that comprehensive i've got wikipedia it makes no sense to the modern culture but to my upbringing that's how you could tell a family was cultured they had a library okay yeah. and in that way ebooks will never replace physical books to me but i'd be daft if i didn't love the convenience of having an ebook <laughs> and a kindle you know i really love the fact that i have like a thousand books on my nexus yeah yeah i, I have like 200 on my kindle account it's it's amazing i i lay in bed last night i'm laying in bed and i'm reading um the colony by michael brent collins uh and reading that on the kindle app and my wife looks over, what are you reading? I I was actually reading. It was amazing. There were no pictures or anything. <laughs> we're, and, we're very proud of you. My, my point yeah. is, I don't think the printed book industry or the printed literature industry is in trouble. I think it's the distribution model that's having growing pains. And it's the same as film and software and music and TV, TV to a very large extent. Um it's the distribution. People can't quite figure out how to uh, how to see eye to eye with an electronic distribution model where it's just that instant gratification. You bought it. It's in your cart. Look, we automatically pushed it to your device. You've got it. Anywhere in the world, you've got it. Versus, I want this book. It's out of print. See, I, can, I disagree. I can try and find it. It'll be used. It'll be worn down. And then, even then, I have to wait for a week for it to get to me. See, I think print's dead, or it, if not dead, almost dead. They've been saying that since the early 80s, though, literally almost 30 years. Yeah, they have. However, in the early 80s, there wasn't an electronic distribution model that there is now. This is true. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I have no witty comeback for that. Oh, yeah, I, I, was, I was waiting for one, and it didn't come, so I figured I'd better just proceed. But no... It's so much more convenient. It's so much more gratifying to get it. Our society wants everything now. We don't have the patience to go to the bookstore and find the book that we want. However, I think that's a bad thing because I think we need to have books to preserve history. 
You know, you read 1984, they go back and they change all the books. If it's digital, how easy is that to do? Whereas if you have a physical copy of a book in your home, they that's that's done. It's not getting changed. And so I and, think and see to me it's a much more emotional connection, okay? When I started getting into uh Larry Korea's Monster Hunter International series, okay? And I just use him uh, cuz he's one of the more recent ones where I got so into the books. Okay, I bought the ebook at first, and I said, screw that, and I went out and bought it. I loved it, and I needed that connection to it. And this is going to start sounding really weird, and I apologize to listeners out there, but I can't explain it other than it's a physical connection I have to this physical book. And when another one comes out, I want to buy it. I want to hold it in my hands, and I want to own it. I don't want just words and pixels and dots on a digital device. I want my copy of that book. And it's in that way, somehow I'm a part of it now. I I know that doesn't make any sense. No, it it makes total sense because it's nice to have stuff. It's nice, you know, to have something that you can hold. Thank you for making me sound trite. (laughs) I appreciate that. No, I I wasn't trying to, but (laughs) I I, I apologize if it did, but in my side of the argument, I, I like not having all, all that bulk. I have, I have all of the, the books I've read in the past five years are all in audiobook or ebook. And I like not having those books take up space on my shelves. But when it came time to, you know, I had the opportunity to have Larry Korea sign my books. I can't have him sign my audiobook. So I had to buy the books. I and, agree. but that's the only reason I, I'm not, I'm never going to read those books. They just have his signature on them. That's all they're for. So, and I'm the exact same way, Schmitty. I I completely agree. I'm in the process of of buying a new home right now. The home that we're trying to get into, um, it's it's bigger than our current home, but there's not as much storage space. So we're going to have to go through, and we're going to have to get rid of everything that we don't need. And I imagine that quite a few books are going to be involved in that great purge because they just aren't necessary. I mean. If I if I haven't read a Star Wars book in ten years, what good is it going to do me to keep it? You know, yeah. Especially when I can just download it. I I I think I was just raised different. You know, the books I have, yeah, you get trash books or books that you don't really care about and books you can part with. I have slimmed my collection down now to books that I cannot live without. Even though I haven't read them in forever, they hold some kind of value or meaning to me, these books that are left. Some of them were passed down to me. You know, some of them are my parents' books. Some of them are my grandparents' books. A couple of them are my great-grandparents' books. We were taught you never treat a book wrong. This is how you treat a book. You never mm-hmm. write in a book. You never, mm-hmm. you know, put it down to, to bend the spine. You always treat a book with reverence because a book yeah. is knowledge. And in that yes. way, yeah, okay, I like having things. And I like having important things. And to me, books are important. We spent a lot of time on this already. but. <laughs> Okay, uh, this wasn't the point of the show, but okay, listeners, write us feedback at soulandroids.com. Print versus what are we even calling this? Digital. 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 So. <laughs> I, I have heirlooms too, but I don't, wouldn't consider Ender's Game an heirloom. You know, and so. there are certain books from my childhood that I've hung on to for the last 20 years, 30 years. The Choose Your Own Adventures. Because, <laughs> because they hold a special place in in my childhood they hold a special place in my heart and i'll hang on to those books forever but then there's a lot of books where 
you know, I really don't care. So I can see where you're coming from, Zook. Yeah. But I, I also see where Schmitty's coming from. I have books that I'll never read, but I hold on to because they hold special place in my heart. And I have books that I bought Larry Korea's Monster Hunter Omnibus or whatever it is, is one of them where I bought it just because he couldn't sign my audiobook. Okay. Hey, you know, we didn't talk about it last week, but while we're on the subject of distribution models and how some of them are going out of uh, date, I want to gripe at Hulu. <laughs> I've, I've, I've tried to let myself calm down. Um, it's been It's been hard, and it hasn't worked. The Zook Rage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so flashback a week and a half ago. Imagine if you will. So my for some reason, my DVR completely missed recording the season finale for Grimm. Completely missed it, okay? Um, well, that's all right. It's going to be on Hulu. Okay? Awesome. So let's go in on Hulu and watch Grimm. Okay, things are going. Things are going. It's doing its normal buffer thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, here's the intro ads okay here's the first here's the first ad break uh add one of five well that's a little bit more than usual but okay whatever why is this ad three minutes long okay well that must mean the next few ads are like five seconds right 15 seconds no another three two to three minutes every ad in that ad break was two to three minutes long Times five. I was looking at almost 15 minutes of ads for the first break. There are six breaks in the show. Do the math. A 43-minute show had an hour and a half of ads. (laughs) And didn't they chalk it up to your connection being slow? (laughs) And then the last ad was some stupid thing for a Lincoln MKZ, which completely froze the session, and then suddenly reset me into the first episode of Supernatural. I didn't even get to watch the end of the show I was trying to watch. I tried going back to the show. And guess what? I had to watch all the damn ads again to get back to the point that it froze. Yes. No, um, they didn't. They, they clocked uh, Zoner's issue up to connection. They said that I was misunderstanding that there's no way ads could ever last that long. Hey, is misunderstanding the same thing as sitting there watching 15 minutes of ads in a row? Because that I'm could like, be a misunderstanding, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know how to tell time, and I'm fairly certain that <laughs> taking more than two hours to watch this show is kind of ridiculous, especially when it then took me five minutes to torrent an illegal copy of it. <laughs> uh, Even better, uh, Warehouse 13 just ended. The series finale was a couple weeks ago. Uh, again, my DVR screwed up, and I completely missed it. I go to Hulu. Yes, you can watch Warehouse 13 on Hulu. Oh, awesome. Okay, I open it up. Sorry, Warehouse 13 is on a network that's not part of Hulu, but you can connect your TV provider to Hulu and watch it that way. Well, no, you can't, because no one who has cable, like regular cable, has an actual account that allows you to do that. <laughs> Don't lie to me, Hulu. Uh, so they have it in, in their directory, but they don't they don't show it. Right. That's misleading. So that's another show I had to torrent. This is why we pirate Hulu. <laughs> I actually told them that over Twitter. I don't think they paid attention. No, they I saw that and you know, I actually hijacked your conversation with them and I was appalled. I mean, they're like they're idiots. What are they thinking? I was watching 24. It took me three hours to watch a 43-minute show. 
It was a completely absurd, and I was furious by the end of it. And when they come and tell me that it's my connection speed, yet yeah, I'm pulling 88 down. The slower your speed is, the more ads we give you, because that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, the faster your speed is, the more ads they give you, because you apparently have a lot of disposable income. I don't know. Uh, it just infuriated me. Yeah. That makes sense. Thanks for not paying attention, Hulu. Okay, yeah, right this is, over. This is why I don't pay for Hulu Plus, because even if I had paid the 8 bucks a month, I'd still have two hours worth of commercials when I watch 24. Yeah, yeah. Okay, into other weird news. Sorry, we had to get off. We, we, had, we, we made sure not to bring this up last week when it first happened, because we were all just kind of raging about it. Yeah, we still are raging. And yet we still are. It didn't calm us down at all. We fail. Okay, so uh, Chrome, Google Chrome, will no longer allow sideloading of extensions. Well, real fast, what's sideloading? Sideloading is the ability to install an application using means other than the originally intended mean. Now, in this case, an extension or a theme. Right. If you have a mobile phone, a smartphone, and who doesn't, that's the equivalent of having an Android device and installing an app that you didn't get from the App Store. Okay. Uh, certain phones, like Windows Phone and iPhone, you can't sideload unless you jailbreak or root it. Android does allow sideloading, but they become very stingy about that and very, very strict about allowing people to sideload because... That's an easy way to get malicious apps on there. Well, as it turns out, you can sideload extensions into Chrome. And it's been causing problems. From a security standpoint, I 100% agree with Google. This makes sense. I totally get where they're coming from. From an open data standpoint, isn't it kind of weird that Google seems to be going more and more towards the iOS route? Well, I don't see how this is the iOS route. Though. The closed garden idea. Because it used to be, hey, free sandbox, it's open, anyone can come in and do anything. And that's good, that's noble, I'm not faulting them for that. Mm-hmm. But they started to notice that a lot of people were peeing in that sandbox. Yeah. Well, it's still open. And, I mean, I, th- I think we're we're uh, um, mixing up the, the definitions between open source and and protecting... Well, I don't mean open source. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm, I'm talking about just having... Oh, a, okay. That's what I thought you meant. No, no. Just having a, an open sandbox means that you can go in and do anything. You can add Wild anything. West. Yeah. Yeah. Versus the walled garden that is the App Store, the iOS ecosystem. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this this will help. I mean, there, there have been a lot of... Um, if you're not browsing for an extension through the Google, web, Google Chrome Web Store... Um, you will find a lot of malicious stuff out there because it's really easy to, uh, as a developer, to put your extension in the Chrome Web Store. Uh, so anytime you find an extension that's not in the Chrome Web Store, 90, 90% of the time, it's going to be a malicious uh, extension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I don't see this as a as entirely a bad thing. Developers are still going to be able to do their their own thing. I have my own extensions that I'm I'm running. I've sideloaded my own extensions um, in a different way. There's there's still a way to do that for developers. So overall, it's it's not closing off that that sandbox. I don't think. Okay. As a de- coming from a developer, I'm just saying. So 
Okay. I think I think Google's trying to find the happy medium between the walled garden and the open sandbox, trying to yeah. protect themselves, protect their users, protect their data, while still allowing you to have some kind of <laughs> freedom in there. Yeah. Um, in other news, Snapchat CEO um, tried being very forthcoming about his dealings with Facebook. In doing so, he opened up his inbox for people to see. See, look, this is how open I am. This is what I did with Facebook. Everything's on the up and up. Uh, Evan Spiegel, however, did not think to possibly wonder how open he should leave things. It shouldn't be surprising that the guy who helped develop and invent a program that immediately deletes pictures you send someone else from existence uh, had some things to hide. It turns out that he and his frat buddies, who all developed Snapchat together, didn't ever archive or delete their email. There's some pretty horrible things in there. This is not something you open at work. Uh, and this is, uh, and I, I got the most work-friendly headline in there as possible, because many of them actually lifted a bunch of the emails where he's talking about doing a lot of really naughty things. Uh, this is uh, the, the headline I have here links to Business Insider, which is tries to keep it kind of professional. But it is about there's as offensive a lot as of you can possibly. There. Yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff. Uh, th- this is about as fratty and douchey as you can get. So he he references he he's got a shopping list here. Um, shopping list: one ounce of marijuana, one kilo of blow. Um. You think that was really his shopping list, or you think he's just being a douche? Well, he probably had to get some ice with that, because it sounded like he was about to have a party, and you always need ice, and maybe a watermelon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, a bag of chips. Gotta have a watermelon. You have to have a watermelon. Now, he was taking (laughs) a lot of drugs, so I'm hoping he got the pre-sliced ones, because I don't want to imagine him trying to split a watermelon while that high. Uh, I thought it was a rule that if if you brought the marijuana, you didn't have to bring the watermelon. (laughs) I don't know. I don't go to those types of parties. That's something for, like, uh, Miss Manners. We need to write her and see. Maybe the frat rules have changed. I don't know. (laughs) If I bring the drugs to a party, am I liable for also bringing the hors (laughs) d'oeuvres? Yeah, I bet you he wished he had invented Snapchat for email. Oh, wait, it's called the delete button. Unless, of course, you happen to be Edward Snowden or the NSA. And they came back into headlines this week with an interview with Brian Williams. Now, this one, um, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about, honestly. Edward Snowden, in case you need a refresher, is the NSA contractor who stole a whole lot of information and released it to the Washington Post and other news sources and then fled the country. He's currently in an asylum. He has asylum in Russia. Yeah, he's claimed asylum in Russia. Russia. Now, he claims in this interview... And it's kind of interesting, too. He he points out that the NSA is just trying to downplay him by saying he was a contractor. He says that's one of many positions he's held, but the truth is he is a highly trained intelligence asset. He is a spy. And word for word, he said he was trained as a spy. He didn't say that he was. He didn't deny it either. So Yeah, I mean, and that would make we're, sense, we're actually, because... You don't get that level of clearance. You don't get that kind of job just because you went to ITT Tech and know how to use Windows. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Otherwise, I know a lot of people who are NSA ready, and none of them are. <laughs> well, okay, that sounded insulting, didn't I? I didn't mean it that yeah, way. Yeah, oh, but. that that was a pretty good burn. I, mean, I, I like that. No, but, but by by those requisites, us three right here are NSA candidates, so. <laughs> and we're not. You know, yeah. we're, we're not. Yeah. That's just the truth of the matter. So it would make sense that he's a little bit more than what the NSA has been trying to say. But I can't help get the feeling he's also kind of trying to flog the martyr uh, card. You know, he's playing that a lot. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, because he mentions that he actually tried to go through NSA channels and say, this is what's going on. This should not be happening. Here is why. Here is what we need to be doing instead. And NBC, I guess, confirmed that those emails actually did take place. So he went public with this a long time after he was trying to keep everything quiet and res- resolve everything internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the NSA replied to him saying, oh, that's interesting, but uh, but keep it on the down low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the so. NSA really didn't give a crap. From what I gather. Right. He did uh, reveal something that Schmitty found quite interesting. Uh, I'm going to give my little 10 cents about it here in a second. But that when you, that the NSA has the capability of monitoring all chats, all instant messages on the Internet. Not just that, but when you start chatting, even if you don't hit submit, even if you don't send it, even if you delete it, they've already captured it. Now, that That's sounds scary. quite frightening, right? Here's why I don't think it's such a big deal. Or why it's so hard. If you start typing something into your chat program, what typically happens on the other end? It shows you that they're typing. Schmitty is typing something. Zoner is entering a message. You know, Zook is typing a message to you. How do you think it knows that if you haven't submitted? Well, yeah, that that part is not the surprise. The bad thing is that they're 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 still tracking it and logging it. Just leaves more room for false positives to happen. I find it kind of funny. I, I I think that the NSA is probably capturing a lot of guys trying to figure out how to ask the girl out. You know, <laughs> they like type out seven different sentences and delete each one before finally saying, "Yeah, I guess that's cool." Will you well, be my you girlfriend? know where this, <laughs> this you know where this would be more of a problem um, on your phone, where your phone is trying to autocorrect things for you. If it autocorrects to a keyword that flags you for, you know, possible terrorists, you, but you delete it and, and type what you're actually trying to type instead. That's a false positive that we have to worry about. Perhaps, but how often does your phone autocorrect anthrax? No. How often (laughs) though, you know, what if you're saying the president's a bum? And it says bomb instead. And it changes it to bomb. Then all of a sudden you have president and bomb in the same sentence and the NSA has whistles going up everywhere. And With how many times I have said exactly the wrong thing on this show and no one <laughs> has shown up at my door, I'm fairly certain that at some level it has to go through a human filter, and I'd hate to have that person's job, where they go, yeah, okay, that's not what they meant. Or that's not, you know, someone is <laughs> able to actually determine whether or not it's a threat without sending a drone strike against you immediately. Yeah, you're right. You you probably have your own liaison at the NSA, the the Zook liaison. I want to meet the Zook liaison. I was <laughs> amazed that they let me back into the country after I went down to Central America earlier this year. In case you, um, I, I'm not necessarily encouraging people to go out and 
view this one because it's not always work appropriate, but there's a web comic called least I could do. Uh, and the main character rain ends up chatting with his NSA person, the person who's in charge of just watching his computer all the time. And they have conversations back and forth. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. It's definitely worth watching. There's a lot of more information in there that uh, people would expect. I, it made sense, but I had never considered that he might actually be government trained. So, yeah, I th- I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I always thought it was odd that just some random dude was able to get that kind of information. Um, so the fact that he's claiming that he actually was more than the NSA is claiming he is actually holds a lot of credibility in my mind. Yep. Yep. Uh, in final headline here, and this one's kind of a joke, Iran has uh, summoned Mark Zuckerberg over charges of breaching the people's privacy. Uh, they refer to him as the Zionist manager of Facebook, because, of course, he's Jewish. Uh <laughs> Uh, in case Mark Zuckerberg's legal team has not already advised him this, let me just say, Mark, when Iran wants you to face charges using their court system, you don't show up. That's generally a good idea. Just don't go near the Middle East. I know you went to North Korea. That's great. Stay away from Iran. Just saying. Yep. Um, I don't mean to sound racist. I truly don't. But considering the uh, amount of Americans who have been arrested, imprisoned, and held in Iran for being nothing more than American, I wouldn't go. Especially not <laughs> when they're referring to you as the Zionist manager. Yes. Them's fighting words. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is time for another good idea, bad idea. It's time for another good idea, bad idea. This is the idea that uh, we give a quick headline and we then say whether or not we think this is a good idea. So let's go. First one, gentlemen, NASA lost track of a satellite almost 30 years ago and has recently outsourced the ability to reconnect with the satellite to civilians. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Awesome idea. Yeah, good idea. Why not? I think this is a great idea because we have all this great space junk floating out there that's still very capable but nasa can't pay for it anymore why not get people involved in the space program again i love it okay uh also coming out this uh this week was announced a new bidet is coming to america it's a smart bidet that actually integrates with your smartphone uh it's already available in japan and in europe now it's coming to america is this a good idea or a bad idea schmitty good idea <laughs> why <laughs> well, for one, we need bidets here. They're just awesome. And and two, who wouldn't want their toilet to, to play their favorite music to them? Seriously. Zoner. This is America. I am not a savage. I do not need to take wadded paper and put it by my backside <laughs> after I defile some toilet somewhere. It's like trying to get peanut butter out of carpet. It is an awesome... <laughs> awesome idea i would suggest you start drinking more water Uh, while i think the idea of a bidet is great that's not what's in question here i don't need a smart bidet okay i do not need my toilet to play a power song encouraging me okay it's not like my morning run 
it, Actually, I guess technically it is my morning run. If this is if this is what it takes to get a bidet into the U.S., I'm all for it. Okay. I want my toilet to tell me that it is honored to take my waste. <laughs> Next one. Uh, Community, Dan Harmon's sitcom that we all love, looks like it might be coming to Hulu for its sixth season. Schmitty, good idea, bad idea? Good idea on Community, bad idea on Hulu. <laughs> Zoner. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. They've already got the first five seasons of Community. They're, I mean, it's a natural fit, although they got to do something about the ads. But I, I, I love it. I hope it happens. I'm excited for it. I think it's a good idea. I'll just wait to torrent all the shows after they come out on Hulu. Okay, uh, next one up. Ant-Man has lost director Edward Wright in a joint uh, statement, both Wright and Marvel came forward and saying that there was some artistic mismatch and that they're going to go with a different director. Schmitty, good idea, bad idea? Uh, I'm kind of neutral on this one since I don't know too much about Ant-Man. So. Zoner? It's Edgar Wright, actually. Uh, however, I think this is a bad idea, not because Edgar Wright left, but because they're making an Ant-Man movie. <laughs> I hate I Ant-Man. I would have preferred Edward Wright, you know, his lesser-known cousin. Okay. Uh, next one up. Samsung and Oculus are supposedly working together for a new virtual reality device. Uh, good idea, bad idea? I think it's a good idea. It's better to get more of Oculus technology out there. And who better to do it with than Samsung? So. Zoner? I think it's a bad idea. Facebook owns Oculus. I don't want Facebook anywhere near phones, anywhere near Samsung. Again, you mean? Again, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm actually quite neutral on that. I just had to throw a dig into Facebook. They're, they're just helping Samsung. I don't think Facebook is going to have anything to do with this. Hopefully. I'm just hoping. Last one up here. Walmart now has a Bitcoin mining machine available you can buy on it. It's $300, and it takes forever to mine a single Bitcoin. Uh, Schmitty, good idea, bad idea? Definitely a bad idea. <laughs> Zoner? You'll never get your Bitcoins worth back on this. I think it's a bad idea. Does Honey Boo Boo even know what a Bitcoin is? Um, I th I agree this is a bad idea. For the price, $300 isn't bad for a small computer. However, uh, the power it takes to mine a Bitcoin and how many you have to mine for it to be worth it, it would take 30 years for this thing to pay itself off. <laughs> it's all about Dogecoin now. Get a Dogecoin miner. <laughs> okay, into our favorites this week. Uh, mine comes from... Uh, I forget who, when this happened, but uh, John Benjamin, he voices Archer from the series Archer and uh, Bob's Burgers and many other shows, actually. Uh, he stopped by and he recorded some lines from Hal, for Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's incredible. Um, I kind of hoped that he'd be putting more Archer into it, but he's actually reading the lines as best he can. It's still hilarious. You need to check it out. Uh, my favorite this week uh, pertains to X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy do impressions of their future selves in the X-Men movies right in front of their counterparts, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. And it is brilliant. It is straight up brilliant. So check it out. 
Uh, my favorite is uh, a, an epic rap battle of history. It's been a while since we've had one of those. I think it's because it's been a while since they've had one. But um, this is Superman versus Goku. It's it's really epic. So check it out. Very cool. Well, that is our show this week. Again, let us know what you want to hear more of, how we're doing. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.